Hi, my name's Tara Humphrey and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast, where I will be sharing interviews and insights from the field of healthcare. The Business of Healthcare podcast is brought to you by THC Primary Care, where we provide operations and project management to primary care networks. If you are a clinical lead or a practice manager and your primary care network to-do list is growing by the minute and you could do with an extra pair of hands to deliver some of your projects and network-based services, I would absolutely love to help you. So come and check us out at www.thcprimarycare.co.uk. Now let's jump into this week's episode. Hi and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So on episode 55, we were introduced to Claire Fuller. Claire Fuller is a nurse and lead practitioner for palliative and end-of-life care. She's got 30 years of experience. She's a mum, she loves doing yoga, Um, she is a CQC inspector and she's, she's just amazing and she's just a really, really nice person and she's a person that you want to be around. Alongside doing all of that, Claire has had a passion around helping people to make sure they have their lasting power of attorney in place. And whilst we'll talk about it again in this episode, she's really going to go into what is a lasting power of attorney? Why do we need one? Why is it important? When do we need to start thinking about it? And we also talk about the business. She is a healthcare professional setting up a business. She has been a client of ours. She's done a strategy call with us and she's established her business. She's got a pricing model. She's promoting herself on social media. She's worked out, she's been really clear on her values and she's doing it. And there are so many people that would like to step into that space of entrepreneurship, business owner, And I'm just really proud and pleased. She is my client and I'm also one of her clients. I now have my lasting power of attorney in place. It's something that none of us want to think about. It's something that we never ever think that we're not going to be able to be in a position to make and speak and advocate on behalf of ourselves. We always think we're going to have our voice. But sadly and unfortunately, we never know what's around the corner. And if we don't have the correct documents in place, if we do not have those conversations with our loved ones to help us make decisions on our behalf, if we are unable to, it can be very stressful, very expensive and just extremely, extremely unhappy on top of an already stressful, difficult time. So that is what we're going to be talking about in this episode. I really hope that you enjoy it. It is a difficult conversation Um, but it it has to be had and I'm glad that Claire has chosen to come back and have it with us. Hi Claire, welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great Tara, it's lovely to be with you. Thank you for asking me back. My pleasure. So your podcast was, your episode we did together was really, really popular. And I was like, well, it's such a big topic. We started talking about end of life care and obviously it's such a huge subject, but I wanted to bring you on because there is something that you, you didn't really share 
on the podcast and obviously it's brought us together to work together in a professional capacity. What is that? So since we met last Tara, um, I've developed my own business, um, Speak For Me LPA. So I professionally draft, write, um, lasting power of attorneys. Um, I know we're going to talk about that a bit later, but it's something I feel really passionately about. So I draft LPAs. Um, I raise public awareness through discussion and provide education. So that's a huge change since we met last, which is really exciting to talk about. And for those people that may have forgotten or haven't listened to that original episode, what is your day job? So my day job is a lead practitioner for end of life care for a large community health trust. Um, I also work as a CQC inspector in my part time um, and um, I'm a, not a practicing, but I'm a, a qualified fitness instructor and a passionate yoga practitioner as well. So a bit of a diverse, diverse mix there. So you are doing what so many people dream of doing and that is following their passion and going it alone what led you to want to set up your own business and do this for real there's never just one thing that leads you to anything you said Tara so um I was listening to our earlier podcast this morning and I recognized so many of the themes and the words that I chose in that podcast remain relevant today for this podcast so I feel incredibly passionate about what I do. I feel incredibly passionate about people's voices um, and their choices and their values being heard. Lasting Power of Attorney is about making sure that your values are heard if you ever lose the ability to speak through yourself, through ill health, um, through sudden or sudden accident. I also realised from my experience, from my professional experience, that so often Lasting Power of Attorneys just aren't done. So I worked with families that said, um, I know my husband would have wanted this and we kept talking about the form but we just haven't got around to doing it um, and I think in the public eye at the moment Kate Garraway has talked very openly about the fact that she hasn't got a lasting power of attorney for her husband so combined with the the emotional and the psychological distress that she's going through she's done a fantastic job to raise public awareness about not having a financial property LPA in place and the impact that's had on her um, so I want to raise awareness. I want to create a business. Um, I also want to provide professional education as well, because we, we use the word LPA quite glibly professionally. But I do a lot of work to help educate what an LPA means, how you check it thoroughly and all those nuances of an LPA. This is something I wouldn't have said a few years ago, but I know I can do it well. So what I mean by that is I've got confidence to do it. So LPA is about the conversations and the values behind them. And I've got a 30-year history in having those conversations. So I feel confident that I can deliver a good job and have those sometimes quite delicate and intimate conversations. So if you'd asked me this a few months ago, I wouldn't have said that. But now I'm saying, actually, I do believe in me and I do believe I've got the skill set to do it. Um, So I believe I can do it well. I can do it ethically. Um, And it joins together all the dots. It joins together my passion for communication, my passion for getting respecting people's values, my passion for advanced care planning. I could go on and on about this. It's a privilege to talk to people, Tara. And LPAs get me to talk to people and understand them. And brilliant, brilliant gift for that. What's been the mindset shift? What has led you to make you believe I actually can do this and I'm good at it? That's a hard question to answer. So everything starts as a small germination. This is an idea that I've had in my head for a long, long while. So it's talking to people. So it's about talking to people like yourself about how to start up a business. It's about setting my values. So something I did a little while ago was set my values as well and think, actually, this aligns to my values. 
So I've done so many of them. I've done so many personally. I've done so many for my family. I've done so many for friends. So it's very much about experience. And like anything in life, the more you do, the more experience you get. Um, everybody's unique. And although I've done a lot of LPAs, you, you learn something from every different LPA. You learn different nuances. So it's experience and confidence as well. So it's all of those things have, have come together. And so Claire and I, we've worked together um you come to me for some business advice and also I have where I've been a client of Claire's so in the last podcast I said right I need to get my LPA in place and I've got two out of three in place so I have got my property and financial affairs in place and I've got is it my health and well-being you have I've got my health and well-being and now I just need to we just have a conversation about the business one. Um, so I've got that in place. And one of the things which I've kind of stolen from you is how you've said turning these conversations from difficult conversations into important conversations. So how it worked was I said, I explained my f- family situation to you. We did the first call on it was on Zoom, wasn't it? And you talked to me and I was getting confused between a will and an LPA and what did it mean? And did Mark need to be on the call and all of this, my husband? And you you just talked talk me through everything. And then Mark and I kind of sat down. We was like, I was like, let's have a date night, which was very romantic. It's like, well, what are we going to do if this happens? What are we going to do if one of us dies? What are we going to do if this? What are we going to do if that? And I think because you'd helped me understand and we talked it through, it was actually a really good and powerful conversation that we'd never had this sort of conversation, never ever thought about it. What would we do if we split up and then something happened? So we had this conversation and yeah, it was really, really helpful. So I probably jumped a bit forward. What is a lasting power of attorney in the you know simplest of terms what is it and why do we need it okay. that's a challenge to make it simple <laughs> so, so as simple as possible a lasting power of attorney is a legal document and it enables somebody you trust and i think it's a really important word somebody you trust to speak for you should you ever lose capacity and you could lose capacity through a health deterioration which a lot of people associate lpas with or really important, you could lose capacity through a sudden accident in which you were unable to, to speak and to have your own voice. So a lasting power of attorney is a legal document giving somebody else, the attorney, the ability to talk for you is the shortest answer I can give. And I think, I know obviously anybody, everybody and anyone should have it. I think that, the, and this is my perception, the perception is, is if you are married your partner would automatically have the right to speak for you if you couldn't speak for yourself. Has been said to me so many times, and that is such a huge misunderstanding. So absolutely, if I was to um, summarise reasons that people don't do an LPA, that's a really high up on the list. People assume that your next of kin has the automatic right to speak for you, when in fact, in fact, our people don't have the right to speak for you. So if you don't converse, if you don't have a lasting power of attorney in place, your next of kin has no automatic right to be your voice or to speak for you. And in which case your next of kin then has to go to something called the Court of Protection to apply to be your nominated deputy, which is a really lengthy and complex and expensive process. And one of the reasons why I created this 
podcast. It's called The Business of Healthcare. It's very broad, but it, this is the stuff, this is the business of healthcare. You would not, unless you unfortunately learn the lesson the hard way, there are so many facets to this. And it is the business, as I'm talking, I mean, you can't see we're at a podcast, but I am looking at my wad of official documents that you need a professional to help you understand and make sure you fill it in in the right way because if it doesn't get filled in the right way it gets rejected and it has to come back to you and then Claire's messaging me saying have you got your documents are they perforated at the bottom do you know what it means um you know this is a it's an unfortunate side but it's really 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 important and I think that if I didn't know you and even though both my parents have passed away and I've had challenges with that myself, still nobody mentioned really lasting power of attorney unless you, you it's just not something that you would naturally know, I don't think. I absolutely agree with you, Tara. There's quite a big movement at the moment to raise the awareness of talking about death and dying openly. And we touched on that in the last episode and a fabulous Catherine Mannix talks beautifully articulately articulately about the national conversation around death and dying my conversation is about planning ahead so my platform if you like is let's talk about planning ahead and that's lots of different things so it could be things like organ donation we should be having these conversations with our families we should be understanding what matters to people and these are really important conversations and values that that matter to every family that we should be talking about so one of the things and I didn't say we were going to talk about this And I'll be very crude. How do you sell something the person doesn't realise they need? And how do you put a cost on that? How do you put a cost on your time to take me through this? And one of the conversations I've had with Claire and a client with Claire, and I must, I'm proud to say I was your first paying client. How many people had you seen before you, um, before we worked together? So I way into double figures that I'd had just done, uh, but you were my first paying client. I might regret saying this on the podcast. As a person in business, it's right that we pay for other people's expertise. We shouldn't expect it for free. We shouldn't expect a discount. You know, you have got a valuable expertise and you provide a service that I do. I don't have that expertise and it's only right that I pay for it. And the cost of not having it, it could be, I won't go into my own story, but it could be hundreds of of thousands and if it's not monetary it is incredibly stressful and me my husband and I had the conversation if if one of us lose our capacity to talk for 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 ourselves to speak for ourselves the stress on the other person the stress on my husband having to take care of three kids manage their household finances potentially manage my business finances potentially talk to members of my team you know talk to my clients while he's thinking you know I might be on life support What's going to happen with my wife? You can't put a price on that stuff. So I think it's really, really important that I think we talk about the cost. We've talked in the past about the cost. And I just wanted to raise that, the the cost of not doing it. Hopefully, you never have to use it. But for the sake of a few hundred pounds, it could save you thousands of hours, thousands of pounds in the future. You touched on something really important, Tara. As you're talking, I felt myself wanting to interrupt you because we were talking about money, we were talking about cost, we were talking about finance. And then you did go on to say, and it's the emotional cost as well. So it's 
the stress in that incredibly difficult time is is um, you can't put a price on that stress. Um, I think another really interesting thing is the actual registration cost is one of the few things in life that's actually gone down over the past few years. So when the Office of the Public Guardian first um, first started um, registering um, LPAs, the cost was £120 because you pay a cost to register the LPA as, as well as um, to me to draft your LPA. Um, so the cost was originally £120 per LPA to register. Um, that's now come down to £82 and there are actually exemptions for people as well. So firstly, in relation to cost, I find it quite amusing that in this current climate, that's one thing that has actually dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are exemptions for people that can't afford Coming, I think you raise a really interesting point. I found it really easy to work with you, Tara, because you're a professional businesswoman. I've learned from you and I didn't find it uncomfortable. We've spoken about this, setting a cost. You, you said to me, Claire, what do you charge? I said, Tara, this is what I charge. It wasn't awkward. It was absolutely comfortable. But I have really wrestled with the charge. And the way I've come to it is I've pitched myself in what I think is a fair ethical price. So more than the financial element, though, working ethically for me means making sure that my clients are aware of all their options and choices. And that includes the fact that you can um, self-draft an LPA. You can do it on your own. And I make sure that people are aware of that fact. Most importantly to me, working ethically is promoting my work through really accurate information and no exaggerated claims or inaccuracy. So for me, that summarises working ethically beyond the financial element. So I'm not in this to make myself... Wealthy. I'm not in this to become um, the, the richest businesswoman. I'm in this to provide what I think is a really, really good service. Um, and I don't want people to be disadvantaged. So we spoke about giving it away for free. And I've told you about the no, LPA. No, we I've do done. not give it away for we free. We don't give it away for free. <laughs> but I haven't told you this as my business coach. To soothe my morals, I'm giving away 12 free per year, just 12 okay. for anybody that cannot meet, that anybody that meets that OPG exemption. There are 12. Now, I really wrestled with that, and um, that sits comfortably with me. So I feel I found that really good balance between how do you put a price on it? The other thing that's absolutely fascinating, um, I always compare it to an insurance policy, Tara. So if you think about your household insurance, hopefully none of us are ever going to need that household insurance. Hopefully we're never going to need that car insurance. But we pay it, don't we, year after year after year. Once you've done your lasting power of attorney and got it registered, that's it. Job done. So I think that's quite a healthy way of looking at it as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think for those for those of you out there, it's probably more in the service if we, that, like me, provide a service. There is always that: how much do you charge? Do you give it away for free? But there comes a point where you have to value yourself, and people will say, "No, you're too expensive." How much? You use the word ethical, and I think it's one thing I just wanted to say is that it's. It's not not ethical to want to make a good profit. It, it really isn't. It's, you're providing the service, a high quality service, and I think lots. I think lots of healthcare professionals, because you come into care, you don't come. You're not. A lot of people don't come in thinking, right? I'm going to make a business out of this. You come in because you care, and we all, we all, to a degree, or not to a degree, we all believe in the NHS values. And then there comes a point where you start to think, well, I could do this. I could do it myself, but you're so used to just, you know, you don't, you, you get your wage at the end of the month to then switching from uh, getting paid per transaction and just lots of people really wrestle, really wrestle with it and it will come up again and it will keep coming up. It will keep coming up, but it's not, 
bad. It's not wrong to want to be charged for your service services when you've just listed out all of your expertise. We've all got the expertise. So it's just one of the things that I just wanted to the business side. I just wanted to uh, reiterate. Um, okay, so when should we start thinking I need a lasting power of attorney? How old am I going to be? So there's a perfect answer to that. So there's a perfect answer that you could say, well, anybody over the age of 18 that's got capacity can have a lasting power of attorney. Um, I'm looking at you and chuckling, thinking, is that realistically going to happen? No. no. So if you think about an 18-year-old, that isn't going to be top on their list. Um, I would say there are certain trigger points in everybody's life that you would um, think, well, actually, let's get this done now. So the trigger points that I would think about are potentially buying a house. So if you're going into a partnership with somebody or a relationship, um, think about it then when you buy a house. Categorically, when you have children, I would say that's another huge trigger point in people's lives. And I think that's something that resonates with you as well. So that when you've got children, you need to start thinking about um other people um, another commitment that you have is a business so we've talk, spoken about health and welfare lpas um, property and finance lpas having a business what's your business continuity plan and a business lpa is part of a, a good business continuity plan which we i know we've spoken about another slightly more sensitive topic would be if you have um, a diagnosis of a degenerative disease so something like alzheimer's um potentially motor neuron disease and I think these are where the really challenging conversations happen because if you have a diagnosis of dementia everyone's really scared about um, losing control so what I talk very much about is having a lasting power of attorney gives you control it gives you a chance to set your values out it gives you a chance to to identify who would talk for you Um, another trigger point would be we should all be doing financial planning during our lives as well just taking stock about pensions and thinking ahead so trigger point um will writing when you get around to doing a will another good time and i've had another good thought as well how about a new year's resolution or a lockdown list (laughs) so we're all in lockdown at the moment we've all got you know sometimes a bit more time than we've had before and how about a lockdown priority get that lpa done we're spending more time with our family now than ever before so maybe it's a great time to have those conversations. And the other thing I wanted to raise, so say for instance, I obviously don't have my parents, but when do you start, you haven't mentioned, you know, like if you're the daughter of two elderly parents, when do you start saying, hey, mum and dad, we need to talk about this without it? It's quite, it's a horrible conversation. You know, like it can be to start thinking, if you, one of you can't make the decisions for yourself or even, it, yeah, when when should that happen? That's a really good question. And the reason that I promote talking about LPAs is because if we all did it early before we need it, that big conversation would never actually happen, would it? Because it's something that we would, we would talk about publicly. We have will writing months. We don't have LPA writing months. And I've um, blogged about that. What a good idea that would be. So Claire, then you should start it. <laughs> I've... I've so one idea is that it becomes our culture it becomes our norm and um i'm going to sidetrack slightly but it it is relevant so the office of the public guardian have found out why we don't do lpas and like you said earlier people just don't know about it so we need to raise awareness we need to be talking so to come back to your question about when do you raise the subject in the ideal world we talk about it ahead it's something that we have public awareness and we talk about 
I can answer your question very, very personally. So we've always spoken really openly and honestly in our family. So those conversations have come easily to us. We've also had family experience with um, older relatives, my maternal side losing capacity. And luckily we managed to get the LPA done and it made an incredible difference. So we witnessed firsthand as a family the need to have an LPA. Um, my dad, um, not as chatty as my mum, and he, he didn't have one until not about five years ago, and he was about to have an operation, Tara. So I think I almost frog-marched him and said, look, come on, Dad, you, you know how I feel about this. Let, let's just sort it. So for us, it was a trigger point of his operation, and it was, it was a bit – it was difficult because we had to face the potential mortality, but that was our trigger point. Can you do it in the middle of a cri- health crisis? So if I am in hospital and it's not it's not looking good and I just say yes to everything, um, <laughs> can then Mark go, right, Claire, we need we need to get we need to we need to start this process. Can you do it whilst you're in the middle of a crisis? There's different strands to that. So, yes, you can do it in the middle of a crisis. Um, yes, it can be done electronically. Yes, it can be done by Zoom. So if you take those face to face COVID elements out, yes, it can. Um, you do have to have, um, you remember, you have to have a witness signature. So you have to maintain COVID guidelines and you have to have face-to-face witnessing. So you can't have digital signatory. So from a practical element, Tara, yes, you can do it in a crisis. And um, what a good time to be having these conversations in the middle of a crisis. The flip side to that coin is when you actually need it, you damn well don't have time to do it. So you gave the uh, a fantasy situation if, if you were in hospital it takes, I don't know how long yours took, we were in the middle of COVID, yeah, but it takes we were, in the, we were in the middle of the first lockdown. It did take a long time. Yeah. I mean, the longest I've had has been a family one, which took, I think, nearly five months. So my answer to that is when, when do you need one? You, you have to do one before you need one, because when you think you might need one, it's too late. You either lost capacity or it, the process will take too long. Uh, I think the Office of the Public Guardian say it takes around about eight to ten weeks to process. In reality, I've never known one be done that quick. So I suppose my answer to you is is no. By that time, it, it's too late, Tara. Okay. What other things would you like people to know about lasting power of attorney and why it's so important? Okay. So you asked me at the beginning of our discussion, you asked me what an LPA is. So if I can talk a little bit more about what an LPA is, that helps um, That helps answer that question. So we briefly spoke about a property and finance LPA and a health and welfare LPA. And there's some really important nuances between them. So what I'd like to say about property and finance LPA is you can choose when it takes effect. So you can have it take effect when you still have capacity. So for some families, they may have... Um, and it's less and less now in our digital age, but you may have a daughter who wants to do the banking, for example, or pop to the post office for mum and dad. And while, while the mum still has capacity, the daughter can do that. So that's really important to note with your financial um, LPA. With your health and welfare LPA, what I'd love people to know is that there's a really important element in there as whether you give your attorney the right to make life-sustaining decisions. And we spoke about this in detail. And I suppose that's a plea to healthcare professionals as well. So if somebody waves an LPA at you, it's not good enough just to say, um, I've got an LPA for my mum for health and welfare. Healthcare professionals need to understand that you need to look at that LPA in detail, look at the perforated document, the original, and know if you've got, um, if that attorney has the right to give life-sustaining treatment. 
forgive me if this is a rude and offensive question, do all healthcare professionals get like lasting power of attorney training? Do they understand and would they know what to look for and the questions to ask? It's a brilliant question. And um, we've spoken before, you know, I've been in, in the end of life care for over 30 years. I hadn't ever had training on what an LPA is. So my answer to that is no, which goes back to that golden thread of passion as well. So I educate and teach people what an LPA is. So you get told the very, what we call the top level or the highlight level. So yes, you need an LPA. But sometimes you look at forms in, in trusts and it may say, does anybody have an LPA? And, you, and um, I've worked for years in different organisations. It may just say yes or no. But you, that's not good enough. We then need to know, is it health and welfare? Is it a property and finance? And then what are the nuances of that document as well? So in my opinion, no, people aren't taught. So you can't just write down an official letter that says, in the case that I lose my capacity to make decisions, I give, you know, that capacity goes to X, Y and Z. It has to be an official document that's perforated, stamped and all of that jazz. It does. So to form the lasting power of attorney, that legal part, lasting power of attorney healthcare professionals will of course always take your views into account there's things called best interest meetings but for you to get that legal voice then it does require the lasting power of attorney so say for instance i have said (laughs) choosing my words very carefully when it's time for me to go just let me go i don't want to be hanging on um so mark's like yeah yeah pull the plug and the do- and, but you're you might be the doctor and you're like oh no no she's got no she's I think she's got a little bit of fight left. At what point does the what is it the clinician's decision overpower the legal lasting power of attorney? I could be a billionaire and Mark's thinking oh no she wants to go. It's mm-hmm. a really brave question to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I articulate. I think it's really important and, and we've got a good platform here to say that an LPA is about you giving somebody having those discussions and somebody knowing your values so if we take that as a starting block so you can't anticipate every single situation so there is a different thing called an advanced decision to refuse treatment which is decision and treatment specific that's completely different so the LPA is about somebody understanding your values now to come back to what you asked um it doesn't mean that your attorney can do anything that's illegal, unethical or immoral. So those decisions, even with a lasting power of attorney, it still has to fulfil ethical and legal and best interest guidelines. OK, I, I haven't read it. Obviously, I'm aware of Kate Garraway, but I think in practical terms, there is something that happens and your loved one loses their capacity to make decisions for themselves on a real practical note. What does that, what does having a lasting power of attorney around the financial affairs mean? What can still happen? Okay. Um, I'm going to speak, I'm going to go into slightly personal territory here, Tara, as well, because as a family, we've, we've had these issues. If I flip it on its head and say, what does it mean? And what, what does it mean if you haven't got one? So for example, um, if you have parents and one of them dies and the other one rapidly loses capacity or the ability without an LPA the children left aren't able to manage the estate or manage the affairs now if you think about a lot of our parents um, and the older generation a lot of things are typically in the husband's name the insurance policies and then if, if that person dies the widow can't then manage the estate and the children can't manage the estate without an LPA so it really is difficult really really difficult 
obviously there's data protection banks can't talk to you if, if you're not the person whose account it is um, so it makes life really really difficult the other thing that we didn't mention is even when you do have an LPA from a financial point of view and it's something that's come to, to light quite recently so if, even if you do have an LPA Tara you've then got to almost jump another hurdle with each individual bank and building society that you work with and we're finding um, and I'm not going to do a name shame much as I'm tempted to but we're finding that some banks and some organisations um, are quite challenging to recognise an LPA and you have to jump through more hoops so you know when you gave me the example of when is when do you need one you've really got to be planning ahead because you've got to think well even once you've got the LPA you've got hoops to jump through Um, there is a new online checking service but in our family experience a lot of banks aren't recognising that online checking service just to recap the thoughts it's about giving control it's about retaining control by giving it to somebody you trust Um, It's about, I think what's really important, and we didn't cover this, is you don't articulate every individual thing. So although you can say what your wishes and preferences are, you haven't got to list them. What you have got to have is those conversations so that that somebody knows your values. Um, And that there are nuances between the two different LPAs. So they are the key messages that I think are really important. And you can leave it too late. And how long does it take to fill in the forms? And can you do it by yourself? Yes. And you know, you know that ethical word we used earlier. So I'm really clear on my website that you can do it on your own. So you can do it on your own. And there are online forms that you can download to do that. And I'm really clear that I say that I'm not saying I'm the best in the world. I'm not saying I'm the only route. You certainly can do it on your own. And I would always direct people to it. And quite recently, I did my friend's LPA for um, a close family relative. And, and I kept saying, but here's the link here. You can do it. And she said, no, Claire, I don't want to do it. A bit like you said, I want you to do it for me. If I'd have done it on my own, I wouldn't have it now. Because, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have it done. Claire was like, right, Tara, sign there, sign there, <laughs> sign there. And then Mark had to come in like, and I'm not, and I'm not, you know, I'm making myself sound not very clever here, but you have to do things in a certain order. And it's one of those forms where, you know, like you can't cross it out. Do you know what I mean? You can't be like, oh, I meant to put that in there. I need to put that in there. So um, there'll be lots of people that can do it by themselves. But I would say for ease, just get the expert to help you or at least have the initial conversation. I would agree. And I'm I slipped out of your view for two minutes just to show you what I've got. So the signing you mentioned is really important. So since we've met, um, I've improved the process and I literally have these stickers, witness sign here, because that really gets people in a knot, that signing. So for each and every person, I do an individualised signing sheet. So I put the person's name, I put the page you sign and I put the arrow to make it really clear because it is difficult. So I, I try to make the whole process from the conversation to the decision making to the signing as easy as I can for people. Yeah, yeah. You did have your checklist. Yeah, I like a yeah. checklist. <laughs> OK, so to round up this interview, when people come onto the podcast, the best bit for me about coming onto the podcast is when I ask guests to come on and every single guest is like, who me why do you want me what are you going to ask me like what are you going to ask me <laughs> like everybody's so nervous Claire we recorded it then Claire was like oh god Tara it's crap and then we, we edited it a little bit more 
it was so good from my perspective. I don't have crap people come on, Claire. You know me. Um, what response have you had from the podcast, the first one we did? So on a really personal level, Tara, it's immense pride. Um, as you know, I was really nervous about doing it, mainly because I wanted to do justice to my career, to do justice to the patients and um, represent represent that well enough. Um, I listened to it this morning, actually, and it was really strange because I thought, I actually like that person talking. And even though it was me giving the answers, I found myself wondering, God, what's she going to say next? And um, yeah, I was really proud. Um, sound might sound a bit strange, but it almost feels a bit of a, a legacy. So it was a beautiful summary of a 30-year career. So that was one response on, on a really personal level. Um, secondly, it, gave, it helped give my mum and dad an inkling into me, into my career, into their daughter. And um, my mum has become really vocal in her local village. So she chats to loads and loads of people about saying, have you got your lasting power of attorney? Have you, have you spoken to your daughter? Have you spoken to your son? So my mum's helping to um, raise awareness about the importance of discussing things and, and talking ahead. The podcast also was a brilliant platform to add to the National Voice about talking, thinking and planning ahead. And I've had loads of responses, which has been fantastic. Um, you messaged me, I can't remember how many weeks after, just to say that it has actually had loads of hits or loads of um, recognition from your perspective, which was absolutely brilliant to hear. Funnily enough, um, I had a phone call, I think it was Tuesday night, quite late, from the lovely Gary Fagg from the Paula Car Trust, the um, CEO and chair of Paula Car. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, oh, Claire, I've been meaning to tell you, I've just listened to that podcast that you did, and, and I absolutely loved it. Oh. And I think I liked it because Gary said you were, you sounded like you, you were true, you were true to you, and he, he loved listening. So that made me feel really proud, Tara. That was great to know that he'd listened to it. Oh, it's so cool to me that he listens to the podcast. Love that. Love that. Um, so some quick fire questions. If you had one superpower, what would it be? Strangely enough, I um, tweeted about that not that long ago. So I think I'd had a really frustrating day with trying to raise awareness about advanced care planning. And um, I, probably in frustration, just wrote my chosen superpower. And I wrote that magic switch that enables people to see that good advanced care planning is not the right form, but the right conversations. So understanding your values and um, what matters behind every person. Well, I was absolutely stunned, Tara, that um, there are over 25,000 impressions. For me, that's absolutely fantastic that there's been so much um, awareness and um, hopefully some thoughts generated as a, as a result of that Twitter post. So I think I'd have to stick to that and say that as a superpower. How do you get in your own way? Oh, crikey. Um, I hadn't prepared or thought about that one. So how do I get in my own way is by being really critical, really, really critical of myself and sometimes frightened to do something if I can't do it perfectly. So I may put barriers and think, actually, I can't do it. I'm, I can't do it well enough, so I just won't do it at all. And also worrying about how it could be perceived or viewed. But I think it was one of your other guests, I think it was Karen, who spoke about intent and how important it is to have clarity about your intent and your intention behind your actions because none of us are, are setting out to do a bad or a wrong job and it's important to articulate your intent. So I get in the way of me by worrying and trying to be too perfect, and that's something that I'm, I'm working on. Yeah, I think so many people can relate to that. But you are doing it. You are, you are doing it. And I think that whilst it's not about me, I do think 
we all strive for it to be perfect and polished. Some things do need to be perfect and polished, and they and they absolutely do. But the, some things do, the people that deliver them do not. And I think, and I think you have experienced this firsthand, the more you share of yourself and you just say, I'm Claire and I like yoga and I like this and I'm like that. And I've just been out for a run. And this is why I think this about this. People just gravitate towards you. And I think, I reckon the majority of us feel that way. If not, like not all the time, but sometimes. And I think we just need to let go of that perfectionism um, because it's the, sounds really I feel like I gotta get the we should start playing music at this bit it's the bit that is it's the imperfectness that makes people go wow isn't she amazing it really is so you've got you've recently launched your website you're blogging you're on social media where can people find you if they want to connect with you on social media so on social media I'm Claire Fuller 17 and people can direct message me anytime um, there's also a link to the website through there and there are links through the website to directly email me as well. If people only take one thing from this conversation, what do you want that one thing to be? Please, please have the conversation with your family and consider writing a lasting power of attorney or two lasting power of attorneys before it's too late. Thank you so much, Claire. Thank you, Tara. so much for joining us and if you like what you hear it would be great if you could give us a shout out on social media you can find me on twitter at thc primary care on instagram again at thc primary care or on linkedin just look for tara humphrey and if you really like it it would be great if you left us an itunes a five star rating and review and i will see you in the next episode